Welcome to The Frederick Factor. My name is Ashley Kiggins, and I'm the host of season two. Everyone who's lived in, worked in, or visited Frederick, Maryland knows there's just something special about this place. One of those things is the incredible, diverse community that continues to grow. Here on this podcast, we bring you Frederick's underrepresented business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders into the spotlight, share their stories with you, and find out what's their Frederick factor. I am lucky enough to be here with the Frederick City Police Chief, Jason Lando. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you know, you may be one of our favorite guests, but I do say that to everybody. So so first of all, I kind of just want to talk to you a little bit about your background and kind of what brought you to Frederick County. I mean, of all the places, I mean, you came from a larger city from Pittsburgh, why Frederick? So, you know, I, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. I uh, spent my entire career with the Pittsburgh Bureau of Police, 21 years. And as I got towards the, the end of my career, um, I realized that uh, a combination of things led me to want to pursue a greater leadership opportunity. So I decided uh, we're eligible to retire at 20 years. So in my 21st year, I wanted to start looking for some police chief opportunities around the country. And uh, just, you know, I I love the profession. I love working to bring police officers and community members closer together, you know, especially with some of the things we see going on around the country right now. I just thought that, um, you know, this is something I wanted to continue to do, but on a little bit bigger of a scale. So as as a police chief and um, interviewed at a number of police departments all around the country and ended up three hours down the road from my own house. So uh, I, I always say everything happens for a reason. I'm Really glad to be here. I feel very lucky. The community's been extremely welcoming. So uh, Frederick's a great city. I have to agree. I mean, Pittsburgh's a great city, too. I got to spend a weekend there, went to a Pirates game, and uh, I, I did enjoy Pittsburgh, but I soft spot for Frederick, of course. Of course. Um, and one of the ways, so we got to sit together at a dinner and discover that we knew probably the smallest town north of Pittsburgh, uh, Lake Latonka, which is a lake community and uh, had the ability to talk kind of there. And then that's where I used to go right in to ask you to be my podcast guest. Because if you know Lake Latonka, then you... Yeah, you wasted no time with recruiting me for the podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's crazy. It is such a small world. Who would have thought that we both knew this tiny little community an hour north of Pittsburgh? You know, I always, when they used to say it to me, friends of mine who have their house up there, I... Every time I think about it, I think of Tonka trucks just because, yeah, like, LaTonka. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you said you've already completed kind of your 20 years and retired. How did you end up in law enforcement? Was it kind of something you, when you were younger, you always wanted to be an officer? Always. I've always wanted to be a police officer uh, since I was five years old. Uh, there was just nothing else I ever wanted to do. And I often tell the story, uh, my, my brother actually will tell the story, that um, I got a toy, a set of toy metal handcuffs when I was a kid. And I say toy handcuffs, they had like a quick release on them, so you didn't need a key or anything <laughs> like that. And I would routinely chase my brother around the house and handcuff him to whatever I could. So uh, railings, you know. And so my brother and, and actually my whole family said, we knew like you were destined for this career. Uh, my mother would come home from, from work and find my, my brother handcuffed handcuffed to things in the house and 
you know, anyways, so fast forward, it was just always something I think it was in my blood. I grew up next to uh, one of the city police stations and I was in awe of, you know, I'd see the police cars coming and going and I just, I had such respect for the officers and that they put their lives on the line every day uh, to go out and, and make our city a safer place. And my mother, when she heard that I actually was going through with this uh, when I was younger, was just like terrified and forbid me from doing it. And, but now my, my family's extremely supportive. Um, I got to do a lot of cool stuff in my career and um and so now you know it's the family is uh very supportive and i'm the only police officer in my family so you know a lot of officers come from a long line of right uh, you know the not not me i'm the only one so well also i will make sure my kids don't listen to that first part where they get to hear about hey the police chief says it's okay to just kind of you know handcuff your sibling around the house so i mean listen my brother broke the <laughs> rules of the house so he had to pay for it i handcuffed him to stuff so did he become an attorney i mean that seems <laughs> no we joke around that, that he said it took him a long time to get over that but he's actually a mortgage broker in chicago oh so he's handcuffed in other ways so <laughs> right. it completely makes sense so also um you know one of the things kind of i wanted to ask you as well is you know when you were looking at communities and choosing kind of where you wanted to apply, where you wanted to go. Um, you know, what is important to you when you're looking at a community? Well, I think, um, you know, open-mindedness is is really important. I, I really appreciate the way the community supports the police here and also the fact that the police in Frederick do so much to support the community. You know, and I say open-mindedness, maybe that's not the right word, but you see around the country, um, there's just like this, uh, everyone's so divided right mm-hmm. now. And almost like in some cities, the police are on one side and the community, uh, I, I shouldn't say the whole community, but but parts of the community are on the other side and they see each other as, as adversaries and there's a lack of dialogue and a lack of willingness to understand each other. And here, um, you know, I just really haven't found that at all. Both sides really want to be open-minded and find out, you know, what the needs of the mm-hmm. other side are. And I think that's how you, you make for like a successful you know, community, we're all part of the community. And so I thought that was really cool to see here. Um, even the individuals that I have met in my time here that not, not always agreed with the police are willing to have a dialogue and say, you know, can you explain to me why the police do this, this, and this? And, and when you have that dialogue, it, it really kind of helps bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. And I will second what you're saying because, so I've participated in the March for Justice for the last two years. And I've watched the marches obviously happen. Things happen across the country. And there's something so nice about when you have it here in Frederick and the participation that, you know, the police have and, you know, the community has and seeing everybody just kind of standing around. I mean, I think one of the coolest things was last year, we were all in the park and everyone was standing around talking. Those who were participating in the march, the police, everybody was just kind of hanging out, talking and, you know, something you don't see in a lot of communities that you wish you could say more often. Every academy class that comes through, you know, so far, there's only been two since I've been here, but this is something I did back home as well. I asked for some some FaceTime um, with the new officers because I want them to understand how important it is that you, from day one, start to build those personal relationships. That's the only way that we will stop painting each other with a broad brush is if you go out in the community and you know, you know, you get out of your police car and you know people and you know where they live and you know about them as opposed to just, you know, us versus them kind of thing. So 
seeing that, seeing, you know, when you're a march or a rally and instead of the officers just standing on the perimeter, you know, with their arms folded and their sunglasses mm-hmm. on, um, they're actually engaging the participants. That helps both sides. You know, it, it really does. And then it leads to smoother interactions out in the street when there are um, tense moments. Absolutely. So you and I actually have another connection because we're both in leadership, Frederick. I'm a graduate of class of 2018. Just so everyone knows, that was the best Second best class, class ever. ever. <laughs> the best class ever. So, I mean, that was one of the greatest programs. So I am a transplant to the area, mm-hmm. have only lived here 10 years, and came from Northern Virginia, a very, very different type of community, and participated in the leadership project. So I could learn more about the community, learn more about the history. So I know my experience, I... I was one of those people who would talk to people who would tell you, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing ever. And I'd be like, okay, okay, you're, you're really drinking that Kool-Aid. So mm-hmm. let's, let's calm it down a little bit. And then after I finished my nine months, I literally walk around raving about the program, how great it was. So I am now on my Kool-Aid. So um, how was your leadership experience since you guys just wrapped last week, I think, right? Yeah, so our last, uh, our last session was last week and pretty much identical to what you just said is, you know, on day one, when I got here, people were saying, oh, hey, you know, we would love for you to, to do this leadership, Frederick County. And, uh, and they were just talking about it, you know, nonstop. Now, I actually had the benefit of being a presenter in Leadership Pittsburgh. So I knew kind of what okay. foundationally what was going to take place. But, you know, for me, uh, having to, to the opportunity to have a seat in the class and really from my, my first few months here, kind of being immersed in everything, getting to meet people from all different, um, you know, communities across Frederick and all different um, businesses and and whatnot. It was a great way for a brand new person, especially a brand new police chief, to get to know the area pretty quickly. Our class gelled really, really well. Um, Everybody gets along uh, after, I don't know if your class did this, but uh, we established social chairs. And after every class, the social chairs designate where happy hour is going to take place. And when I say the whole class shows up, I mean, the whole class shows up. So imagine you, you're down on Market Street and like 45 people show up at Brewer's <laughs> Alley, you know, it can be a little overwhelming, but um, the group gets along really well. And uh, we, we said, even though it's over, we're still going to, you know, on our own, um, hang out together and continue the party. Well, we did not have social chairs, Well, but we also didn't have the queen of social chairs that you and I both know that... It was was the one to really push that along, but we we do get together. I mean, the leaders on loan. I'm very close to my leaders on loan group, but uh, okay, you guys may have slightly, slightly one upped us on that. Well, wait, we we actually two upped you because we are going to be the first class that has a class yearbook. So, oh gosh! Sorry, best class ever <laughs> over here. So, if all you leadership Frederick 2022 folks are listening, that's right. Best class ever. Oh, that's that's what they think. That's what they think. I am going to your graduation next week, though, uh, just so I can really judge if this is truly the best class ever. Okay. But but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know that another year's class person should be allowed to judge our (laughs) class, but whatever. (laughs) Well, we were the, like, pre—almost right before pandemic class, and you guys were the— I guess right after a full pandemic, yeah, Yeah, year. Actually, one of our it was our education day. We actually had to go back to virtual just because that was that month for education day. We were seeing a spike in cases, so 
for safety purposes, we went back. But that was our only virtual class. Everything else was okay. back in person. So outside of everybody telling you how great it was, kind of what to you personally was important for you to want to participate? Uh, well, I love the Leaders on Loan project. I thought that was really cool to take some of the things that we can bring to the table as leaders in the community and actually work on a project. So the, I loved History Day. History Day was really cool. Economic Development Day. I mean, all the days were great. But all of that stuff is for us. And so I thought it was really nice to be able to do a project that benefited someone else in mm-hmm. the community. So I did justice jobs. Okay. And, um, you know, I thought that was particularly relevant given the fact that I'm in law enforcement uh, to work with Bob at Justice Jobs, where we're actually helping him to help people that have been incarcerated kind of get back on their feet. That's something we see a lot in law enforcement is we see the same people over and over and over again. And, you know, I say sometimes, yes, sometimes people need to be arrested, um, but there's usually an underlying issue. And um, one of those things is poverty, unemployment. Um, So someone like Bob, who's helping people get back on track, if we can be a part of that, uh, and then uh, we don't have to arrest people because they now have jobs and they, you know, it's a cycle. And so it was really cool to be able um, to do a little something to give back. Yeah. I mean, you wake up with an actual purpose of you know, in a routine and get that all established. And yeah, yeah, that's a really cool, I actually did not know anything about that one, that nonprofit. Are they new or? I don't think they're new, uh, you know, and, and since I'm probably the newest uh, person here, so I, I don't know how much longer uh, Justice Jobs has been around than I have. I'm not, I can't recall exactly when they were established, but you could tell when you talk to Bob, he's extremely passionate about, about his work. And I want to say they've been able to place 190 wow. um, individuals that were incarcerated wow. and find them jobs, you know, which is huge. I just think back to my whole career, how many times I've encountered somebody that when you actually get to sit down and talk with them, whether you're doing an interview with them or, you know, after the case is over and you're talking to someone you arrested and they tell you their life story, you know, there's usually so much behind what causes someone to like turn to crime. Mm-hmm. And it's just cool that Bob has dedicated his life's work to kind of addressing those underlying issues. Hi, I'm Sophie from Platinum PR, Places Reimagined, and we're the creators and producers of The Frederick Factor. We're also the sponsors of season two. For over two decades, the Platinum PR team has helped economic development and tourism organizations discover their potential, attract new investment, and tell their community story. Would you like our team of talented professionals to help you reimagine your place? We'd love to hear from you. Find us at PlatinumPR.com or click the link in the show notes. We're also looking for sponsors of future episodes of The Frederick Factor. If you're interested in sponsoring future episodes so your business or organization can be featured in a message like this, email us at info at frederickfactor.com to find out more. Happy listening. Okay, so now that you've had at least a year, what are some of your goals um, kind of for the community over, you know, the next few years? So I think in, in year one, um, you know, the first few months w- was really just doing a lot of listening to the officers, to the civilian staff, to the community, and just trying to figure out, like, what, you know, what are we doing really well currently, and then what where could we improve? You know, the one thing I wanted to be cognizant of was not coming from Pittsburgh and say, well, this this is what we did in Pittsburgh, so like, let's just do it here because it, you know, very different city, so you don't want to do that. And one of the things we noticed here was that we are um, lucky to. I say lucky. That's probably the wrong word. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but we have a very low violent crime rate here, which is great. But there is a significant issue here with mental health, mental illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things we were able to do 
in the first year was to create a program that uh, we know has come to be known as the crisis car. And that is uh, a Frederick City police officer, a uh, EMT or paramedic from uh, Frederick County Fire Rescue, and a uh, clinician from uh, Shepherd Pratt. And it started as a four-hour pilot Monday through Friday. We recently expanded to eight hours a day. So the car runs 40 hours a week right now from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. And they go out in the community and they deal with calls involving um, people in mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. And so if I had to say, was there one thing I was like most excited about or most proud of, uh, that would be it because it it helps everybody. It helps um, the individuals that are in crisis it lessens the likelihood that we'll have to use force on them or take them to jail because you have like in real time, you have, you know, a clinician out there, a medic out there. And it really helps our keep our officers safer as well. When you have someone in a, in a crisis situation and an officer shows up, you know, they're not always, uh, they, they always, I believe are well-intended, but mm-hmm. they're probably not always the best person to deal with that type of issue. And sometimes, as you see across the country, um, sometimes those mental health crises result in an ugly use of force situation. Uh, and so it goes to our officers, um, their own health and wellness, uh, as well as the people that we're serving. So having that program up and running, I thought it's really cool. Right now, we are doing a, uh, we're in the middle of doing a three-week um, leadership and professional development training for our, uh, for our department. So uh, as, we, as we're sitting here talking, uh, we have an instructor um, who came, he, we brought him in from Washington State, and he's spending three weeks with um, about 50 police officers and firefighters. Uh, we, we were able to open up some spots to our partner agencies, and they're doing a um, professional development thing, which nice. I think is, we have to offer a top-notch training if we want a top-notch yeah. police department. So this year coming up, uh, we have a couple other things in the works, and we're getting ready to uh, do a public release, a public announcement on them. So I don't want to say them here, uh, but we have a couple of things that are really going to go towards kind of building better relationships between the police and the community, which I have to say in Frederick, we already have a pretty awesome relationship, but it'll just go to further that. That's awesome. So I'm the incoming chair for the Mental Health Association for the Board of Directors, and um, one of the reasons I actually got on the board to begin with is because I come from a family with a long extent of mental health issues, and and my brother, especially, was bipolar growing up. And so having to deal when he would get into those encounters and having to unfortunately call the police. I mean, he is a, at that time, I mean, he's six foot seven now. So he was a very tall, even when he was younger, tall black man. And in Prince William County, Virginia, not knowing kind of how to handle those situations. And they, you know, their first reaction is to think, you know, restrain him, violence, things like that, when really it just needed to be, how can we assess it, calm it down, things like that. So when that program started, it was probably one of the, like, it was a personal, I felt so personally happy to see that because of having that background and, you know, not having to have people go through all of the things that he went through, because it does, you know, eventually it does take its toll and it's traumatizing on them too as well. It doesn't help the the mental state. It, it actually ends up deteriorating it and hurting it and then them having a fear kind of of police and, you know, all of that and thinking that they're always out to get them and that they never want to call when they're in help. So I think having a mental health professional and that, you know, like you said, it also helps the officers, you know, now they've got someone who knows how to handle this situation and when they really need to step in. So yep. grateful for you to have that. It, I you. truly, truly appreciate that. So I, you kind of touched on this already, and since you can't really say anything, I don't know if you can really answer this, but you know, kind of how, you know, how can we continue to promote those connections? Obviously, 
between the police and the city, and even kind of underrepresented groups and minority groups and the city police. So uh, actually, so there is another program that we, it's already out there, so it's, okay. no, it's no secret. <laughs> it's but, not a sneak peek. Uh, right, it's not something coming up. It's something we started last year. So we started a, a, what's called a multicultural liaison unit. We've identified five communities across Frederick. Now, my disclaimer, we realize there's far more than five communities, but we w- really wanted to pick uh, the five most prevalent communities in Frederick where we thought could benefit from a liaison officer. And so we identified our African-American community, um, our Hispanic or Latino community, Asian-American community, uh, LGBT community, and our deaf and hard of hearing community. And we have um, seven liaison officers assigned to those five communities. And um, it's in addition to their regular patrol duties, but they make regular connections and make regular check-ins with businesses, community, um, organizations in their specific, you know, sphere, uh, their specific community. So when issues arise, you know, we realize there are still, uh, sometimes there is still a fear. People have a fear of calling 911 for whatever reason. And so they now have a liaison officer that kind of shows up at their community center. They know that they can connect with that person. So we always want someone to call 911 in an emergency, but we realize if there is a fear of calling 911, we at least want them to know, hey, there is an officer that directly works with your community. So we've had, uh, thankfully, nothing nothing too too crazy, um, but we've had issues arise. Uh, we were able to use that, that liaison officer to kind of finesse that situation right. and get the information we needed and help the person. Um, and so I think that's that's pretty cool to be able to have officers that are kind of representatives of specific communities, and, and there's that trust-building factor there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, with the communities where other languages are spoken, are those officers either, can they understand or speak? Are they fluent, or is there a way yes. to kind of— our two officers uh, <laughs> that serve as our liaisons to our Hispanic and Latino communities, um, they both speak Spanish, and our um, officer assigned to the Asian-American community speaks fluent Mandarin. Oh, wow. And so it's pretty cool. So when uh, Officer Nick Elward, uh, and when he met— uh, 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 Elizabeth Chung from the Asian American yep. Center. I introduced them, and uh, within like a uh, you know a few seconds, they were speaking uh, you know Mandarin to each other. And I was like, "Well, I guess you, I guess you don't need me here. You know, you guys are fine." <laughs> um, but it was just cool to see them instantly make that connection. And um, I know that uh, Elizabeth raves about Nick and and um, all the liaison, all the um, organizations that have that liaison, um, you know, appreciate the fact that they have someone directly connected with them. Yeah. Corporal Geyser is connected to the Frederick Center, and they know that when there's a special event or a security issue in the LGBT community, they can reach out directly to Corporal Geyser. And so uh, I think that um, – those individuals kind of appreciate that they have some, you know, a face, yeah, not absolutely. just a uniform. Well, knowing, I, I know Elizabeth, and knowing Elizabeth, I know she's thrilled that, you know, because she's, it's funny, I never realized how large of an Asian community we had here in Frederick until I met Elizabeth. And mm-hmm. um, she will not let you forget it, and that's what I love about her. And so I know she was probably thrilled to not only have an officer, but have someone who, you know, was fluent in Mandarin, who could, you know, communicate with those in the community. She has so much energy. It's, it's <laughs> kind of funny. We, we were going to... Um, the food distributions last summer, and uh, you know she's just just so much energy. Yes. You know, it's, it was great to see. But I believe she actually was a season one guest um, on this on the Frederick Factor too okay. as well, because um, she and I were in doing a uh, minority leadership program together last year. So I believe she was snagged for that. So um, great, you know that's that's our special plug for Elizabeth Chung because she's 
Awesome. <laughs> um, so kind of just wrapping it up, um, you know, what is your, we ask this to all of our guests, what is your Frederick factor? Kind of what makes, you know, what makes Frederick, Frederick for you? So I would say it's it's tough to put your finger on it, but there is just this sense of community here that I've really never seen anywhere else. Um, like I said, born and raised in Pittsburgh. I, I, you know, I love Pittsburgh. My whole family's still there. I, I enjoy going back to visit. But here it's like, everybody's interconnected. Just this morning, I was asked to attend, uh, there was an awards presentation at the Carroll Creek Rotary. And I walked in the room. Now, I've only been here 14 months. I walked in the room at 7 a.m., absolutely packed with people. And I knew, you know, I would say 50% of the people in my short time here because everyone, you know, everyone's so engaged and everyone's so connected and everyone supports each other. Um, and so like half of my, not half, you know, a good amount of my leadership, Frederick class was in there um, and just a number of community organizations and everybody just wants to support the good work that everyone else does. And so that's, I would say that's the the secret sauce is that every everyone's uh, so engaged. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I call it the huggy town. Yeah. Frederick is the huggy town. It is the place where you go. If you have met someone twice, you will hug them constantly. Wait till holiday season when you go to holiday parties and you see all the same people back to back to back. You hug them like you haven't seen them in forever. It's yeah. it's the huggy town. I, so, uh, you know, uh, I'll just end with this. I'm, I'm leaving my house yesterday. I put a kind of a funny Mother's Day post. I always give my mom like a hard time because she's she's still trying to mother me at 45 years old <laughs> and she was in town this past weekend and so I put a funny post up and I literally walked out of my house and I'm walking down the street and someone like the neighbor sticks their head out of their door and they're like oh hey I loved your Facebook post <laughs> and I said where, where else does that happen so uh, it was pretty that was funny that that uh, really made me think about how how tight-knit Frederick is well I want to thank you so much, Chief Lando, for being a guest on here, for allowing me to talk you into it while you were probably mouthful of food at dinner and you agreeing to doing this. So I truly appreciate it and um, very excited for the work that you have already done and the work you continue to do um, in Frederick. So please know that we are all very grateful to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, awesome. Well, this is uh, Ashley Kiggins wrapping up on Frederick Factor. You've been listening to The Frederick Factor. Want to find out more about our diverse community that makes Frederick so special? Visit our website at frederickfactor.com. Till next time.